Travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Travel creates opportunities to try new things, learn about the world, meet inspiring people, be active, and disconnect from daily life. Our guest today will discuss how he's making it possible for underprivileged young people to gain these experiences and their benefits in order to help transform their lives. Over the years, Talk Travel Asia has regularly explored the topic of responsible travel and how to have a positive impact while exploring Asia. Previously, we've tackled topics including over-tourism and the preservation of the places we visit in order to enjoy them in the future, and we often feature organizations that offer great tourism experiences, including Andaman Discoveries and the Living Irrawaddy Project, among others. Today, we'll chat with Amir Varani, Group Sustainability Coordinator at Asian Trails, who will tell us about Share the Wonder and discuss how tourism can continue to make a positive impact even in tough times. From Bangkok, Thailand, I'm Scott Coates, and with me as always is... Hey, Scott. Trevor Ranges in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, as I have been for one year, I guess, you know. <laughs> I did get out of town for a while, but you know, uh, yeah, Phnom Penh, I've been uh, here. I miss you, Scott. When are we going to get to hang out again? It is pretty crazy to think it is kind of a year ago that shit sort of hit the fan, right? Things started to really lock down around the world. It went from, you know, oh, you can still move around to flights not being allowed to borders being closed. So we're, we're definitely a year in. And I mean, people are clearly hurting. It's still very much in flux. Vaccinations are starting to emerge and starting to happen, but we'll, we'll have to see how things play out. And I'm, I'm pretty excited that today we're talking to a former colleague, Amir, who by every time I met him was just a really nice, solid guy, heart in his right place. And he's kind of made a pivot. Yeah. I think, you know, he, he seems to have uh, experience in the different countries in the region and working in responsible tourism. So he knows a lot of these organizations that provide these amazing experiences that, that I love. And, and I loved sharing with people when I worked at Exo Travel. But now, you know, like things have changed since we haven't had tourists in a year. And, uh, you know, domestic tourism has certainly picked up a lot of that slack. Some of these like really responsible tourism operators, they aren't really maybe getting as much business as they used to. And, uh, local people don't still all have the means to, to connect with these tourism providers. So I think anybody who's involved in trying to make those types of things happen, uh, gets my props. Yeah, and absolutely. A lot of the organizations we featured over the years, Angkor Hospital for Children, Highland Farm, Refill, not Landfill, Fair, just to name a few, those are mostly supported by foreign visitors, right? And so they, I mean, those organizations have to be really hurting right now. I like what Amir here is doing, and we'll get more into it. But basically, the idea is to let local kids actually go on a tour for, you know, a day, because these people never experience an actual tour. So, so that's pretty neat and and neat to put it in more to a real local perspective. And Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I was doing some stuff with the Impact Hub here to help uh, the support 
suppliers of these tourism experiences pivot to try and appeal more to local people since since those are the only tourists in country now, you know. But organizations like FAR, uh, which is the, the Cambodian circus and, and art school here, uh, they were doing a thing like what Amir's doing where you could buy a family tickets to see the circus. You know, and then uh, the bamboo stage, their puppeteers came before the shows. And they had like a little food court so people could like buy some local style food from local vendors and watch a puppet show before the circus where like local people got to experience it as well. So I think it's great that some people are trying to make things happen and trying to keep things afloat, but uh, they still need help. And I'm hoping that this is an opportunity for us to share the wonder to our listeners so that they could, uh, you know, learn what Amir's doing. Yeah, indeed. And just before we bring Amir in, thank you very much to everyone that is a patron. And what a patron is, is somebody that donates a certain amount of money every month to help Trevor and I continue to do this show because we pay all the expenses out of our own pocket for the love of sharing travel. So if you go to patreon.com, search Talk Travel Asia, you can support us and become a patron for as little as a dollar a month upwards. One, two, five. We have some $25 a month uh, patrons, and we really appreciate that. In fact, we want to thank Patrick A., who's been a supporter for a long time. And thanks so much, Patrick, for making it happen. The other thing is, every couple weeks, so this show comes out every two weeks, but then every week in between that, Trevor and I share a little something. Could be a short 10-minute episode might be a video, etc. So there is something extra in it for patrons to tide you over between the official episodes we have every two weeks. Yeah, but uh, again, like I, I just want to mention the bonus content and I'd like to get some feedback from our guests and see how they're enjoying it because they're a little bit more casual, they're a little bit more personal, they're a little bit more off the cuff. Um, but even like they're inspiring me today, I was riding around my neighborhood and, uh, I shot some video, you know, I was like, Oh, I can share that with, uh, with our patrons to see, uh, so they can see what riding a bike around Phnom Penh when the streets are empty is like. So, so we appreciate people donating money, but otherwise just go and click on rate or like, uh, at the bottom of whatever you're listening to this on iTunes or SoundCloud, uh, just give us a rating and a review. It takes like five seconds. You can do it right now. Perfect. Let's chat with Amir. Today, we'll chat with British citizen Amir Varani, who's worked in tourism in Asia for a number of years. Trevor and I both know Amir as our former colleague at XO Travel, during which time he was the product manager in Myanmar. Amir moved to Vietnam just before the COVID crisis. Shortly thereafter, however, he teamed up with three other passionate individuals to found Tourism in Need, which connects travelers who care with responsible tourism organizations struggling through the COVID-19 crisis. Today, he joins us online from Hoi An, Vietnam, to talk about Share the Wonder, his latest project. Thanks for linking up with us, Amir. Hey, guys. It's great to be here. Excited to tell you about some of the things I've been working on. So thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. We have a great deal of respect from the work you do. But let's just take a step back a good number of years. First, I'm interested, when did you first come to Asia to live and why? First came to Asia. I mean, my roots are... Asian themselves. So I was born in India, in Mumbai, but was brought up in, in the UK. And then my professional career in Southeast Asia began in 2014. I moved over to Cambodia to work at the Elephant Valley Project, which is an elephant conservation NGO. Okay. So was that your first experience working in tourism? Did you have any sort of tourism background or was that Cambodian uh, Elephant Valley Project your first experience? That was my first proper job in tourism. Yes. Yeah. So I did kind of have a tourism background because about a year before that, I studied a master's in responsible tourism management in Leeds in the UK. Before that, my only kind of 
tourism experience was actually as a traveler. So yeah, I did that one year masters and then my first job took me to the forests of Eastern Cambodia, which was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty cool. What year was that? That was in 2014, early 2014. Can you give us a quick walkthrough on your tourism career? Yeah, of course. So yeah, that was um, 2014 when I first came to Cambodia and I spent a year working at the Elephant Valley Project. Then it was kind of born in Mumbai, brought up in London. The forests of uh, Mondulkiri were a bit getting a bit too remote for me. I was only, you know, I was 24, 25 back then. So I was looking for a new adventure after a year over there. So I moved back home for a few months and I was doing a few things back at home in the UK. And then I came across a job in Myanmar with Exo Travel. So that's what brought me back to Southeast Asia. So I actually spent three and a half years with Exo, um, had the pleasure of working with both of you as well, which was amazing. So my first job with Exo was actually as sustainability coordinator for Myanmar. And then I shifted into the product role and continue to do my sustainability responsibilities. You'd be a great guest for a, a number of different regions then, having started work here in Cambodia and then spent years in Myanmar and now you're in Vietnam right. and uh, yeah. and working yeah. with EXO and, and the project we're going to talk about here in a moment uh, is also sponsored by the EXO Foundation as well, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're our logistics partner, yeah. So that's great that uh, you're so passionate about something that we like to feature on the show because like responsible tourism, and we can talk about that probably more in detail towards the end of the show, but we like that you're really still at it and looking for where you can best fit right now it's Vietnam in order to try and organize these types of experiences for, for people. So, so why don't you tell us about what you're doing these days? Yeah, as I said, three and a half years with EXO. And then after that, did a few different projects before coming over to Vietnam. And as you already talked about in the introduction, I launched a, a fundraising campaign called Tourism in Need immediately after COVID first hit. But over the last six months or so, I've been focusing my attention on a different project, which is called Share the Wonder. The concept behind Share the Wonder is basically to share the wonder of travel with underprivileged children in Southeast Asia. So it's kind of a, a bit of a twist uh, on what I've been doing up until now, because most of my career in tourism, all of my career in tourism until that point had been focusing on promoting responsible travel to Western travelers predominantly. So now I'm kind of flipping the the kind of dynamics here with share the wonder so it's actually local children who are doing the traveling but the funding is coming from western travelers if that makes sense um, so what we really want to do is kind of bring opportunities to travel to people you know who haven't had such opportunities before and possibly haven't even been able to explore their own backyard because of impoverished backgrounds or various other things that have happened in their lives. So we wanted to share the wonder of travel with them um, and also give Western travelers the opportunity to, you know, give back 
to the communities that they were visiting. Where did this idea come from and who did you develop it with? So that's a bit of a long story, so I'll try and shorten that for you. <laughs> the idea kind of first came up, I remember it was at the at my dining table at my flat in Yangon about three or four years ago. So I used to live with a guy from Colombia who worked for a youth development organization in Myanmar. And earlier that week, I'd learned about a similar project which was being organized by a tour operator by an international tour operator and I thought it was a great concept but I didn't see it being scaled up by other companies or being taken up by other companies that much so I was saying to my friend at the dinner table you know why don't we try and do something like this in Myanmar I work in travel you work with you know youth in need so we can partner up and make something happen that was the first kind of idea nothing came of that discussion so then three four years passed and then actually on the back of tourism in need um, I was having a conversation with one of our former colleagues, um, Alexandra from the EXO Foundation. Um, and she was saying to me, you know, we really like what you've done with Tourism in Need because I was speaking to them about helping us promote the idea. And she said, you know, why don't we try to develop something together that we can work on um, as a team to bring benefits from travel even during difficult COVID period. So that kind of got me thinking, I was started brainstorming and you know, something clicked in my head and brought me back to that idea that I'd discussed with my flatmate um, a few years before. So, you know, I proposed that Alex from the EXO Foundation, you know, she loved it. It's something that she had also been thinking about doing um, at the company for a while. So we thought, why not give this a go? Um, so that's kind of how the idea came up. Yeah. And just to maybe summarize that, because I took a look at your website again, right before the show, just to kind of explain it to everybody simply, you know, when we're growing up in the West, we go on field trips when we're school children to like uh, Fort Ticonderoga. That's where I went in upstate New York once. Um, but maybe like children in the, in Southeast Asia don't necessarily have the opportunity to go on school field trips because uh, that type of infrastructure just, it doesn't happen. Like the schools don't necessarily do that. And some do. And I've seen kids at the Royal Palace here before, but, uh, you know, I guess what you, what you're having people do is you can donate to your foundation and all a hundred percent of those funds goes to buy a kid a field trip. So like kids in, they can go on field trip to the things in their community that uh, you can tell us a little bit more about in a second. But uh, yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah, exactly. So that's the that was kind of the premise behind it all, you know, uh, those opportunities to do something new when you're a kid should be available to everyone. Um, and that's something that I really feel strongly about. So this was kind of my way of trying to make that happen. So how do you raise funds? And what's the cost for sending a kid on a what is it, a day trip, half day, multi-day trip? It's a day trip. Um, so we decided to focus on day trips for a couple of reasons, um, because that way we can send more kids on trips. Um, but also from a health and safety point of view, taking kids on an overnight trip is can be troublesome and problematic. So we wanted to focus on day trips. So the cost, the average cost for one child to go on one day trip is 25 USD. So for listeners back in the UK, that would be about 20 pounds. I mean, euros, I don't really know these days how much that would be. But yeah, $25 um, sends one child on one day trip. So yeah, our funding to begin with, um, you know, our seed funding mainly came from from friends and family. Um, I think as it often does when you're starting something new um, like this. 
but that was that was right at the beginning so at the towards the end of of last year but i've been really kind of surprised i guess you could say but really impressed with the with the feedback that we've gotten from some some commercial partners that we've reached out to about um, partnering with us so we have a partnership with a tour operator based out of the uk who sells holidays to Asia and predominantly Southeast Asia that's helping us raise funds right now through their previous clients. And going forward, the fundraising model is basically one that revolves around getting travelers to Southeast Asia to add $25 on to their holiday booking and contributing that to share the wonder with children in the country that they will be visiting. So our plan is to, you know, reach out to tour operators in the UK, in the US, in Europe, who are selling holidays to Southeast Asia and saying to them, look, would you like to be a part of what we're doing and give your customers the opportunity to add on this amount or, of course, any other amount that they wish to add on to share the wonder? Let's let's talk about the experiences. Like when I explained it kind of like a field trip. You know, you'd think you're sending them to Angkor Wat or something like that, which is a tourism experience here, but that's not exactly what you do. Like here in Cambodia, there's like a dancing class that's with Cambodian living arts. Yeah. And then there's yeah. like another day trip. That's kind of like a educational fun kind of thing with friends international. So, so these seem like, like kind of cool experiences with organizations that I know that I would like to support. And, and if people can send kids to go experience these things that gives funds to these organizations that are worth keeping around as well. So like, is that what you've done in, in the other countries that I didn't check out, like Vietnam and Myanmar? Like what countries do you operate in and what are the general different experiences that the kids get to do? Starting with your second question, um, we currently operate trips in Cambodia, Laos and Vietnam. Actually, the whole project was supposed to start in Myanmar um, at the end of last year. But then unfortunately, COVID got in the way because it became quite bad there. And of course, now with the coup and the political situation as it is, it's going to be very difficult to organize any trips there for a while. So our focus is on those three countries for now, Cambodia, Laos and Vietnam. Um, and like you said, yeah, the trips that we organize, they are kind of like field trips. So if you, you know, if you think back to the days when you were going on school trips, like you were mentioning earlier, that's kind of the, that's the idea that we're trying to build on, but we're doing it in a slightly different way. So as you rightly said, we want to use our trips, not only to give opportunities to underprivileged children, but we also want to support the community of social travel enterprises in the countries that we're running trips in by visiting them during the trips themselves. So in Cambodia, you already mentioned, it's actually the Champi Academy that we um, included in our first trip there. Yeah, so that's a really cool place. And they, they organize, um, you know, they have students there already that do dance and music classes. And because they had students the age of the children that were going on the trip, anyway we thought that would be a great way for them to kind of interact and learn something from peers um, while also you know supporting the organization behind those activities um, so we did that with them in the afternoon and in the morning they did an environmental workshop which was run by friends international which is a, a really big good youth development ngo in southeast asia so yeah you know we want to make the activities not just a fun day out but we also want to make sure we incorporate some educational aspects into that because for me that's one of the key reasons to travel it's you know not only to have a great time but also to learn something new how do you 
pick which kids get to go on these trips? Yeah, good question. So I guess the first question to answer in that regard would be how do we actually, you know, identify the group of kids to go on the trip itself? So we we don't do that ourselves. Course, that's not what we're good at. Um, that's not where we have um, any expertise. So we partner with reputable and long-standing children's NGOs in the countries that we operate in. So, for example, in Cambodia, it was Friends International. In Vietnam, it's an organization called the Blue Dragon Children's Foundation. So they're very well known. Um, they've been around for a long time. They do really good work. So we reach out to them, ask them if they want to be partner with us and then we organize the trip itself with them you know we put together a trip with their children in mind so we speak to them about what would be interesting for their kids to do during a day trip and then we say to them which group of kids that you're currently supporting do you think this trip trip would be most suitable for um you know who could it benefit the most and that's left completely up to them so over the past year, I mean, as the conditions have changed in the four different countries that you operate, three different countries now, you can see how it's evolved kind of quickly. How are you able to still operate now? Are you, are you getting kids to, to go on trips in Vietnam only? Or are you just like trying to see what happens? And I don't know, it's got to be tricky to, to navigate. Yeah, 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 it is tricky. Um, and we've had a a few cancelled trips, um, as you can probably imagine. So right now we can still run trips in, in Laos and Vietnam. In Cambodia, we obviously can't, the lockdown. But nevertheless, you know, we continue discussions with our partners to make sure that once the conditions are ready for the children to go on a trip, then we have everything in place. But obviously, the safety of the children is completely paramount and our number one priority so we will not be running any trips unless it's completely safe and allowed to do so according to the local regulations how many kids go out on a trip at a time and who's leading it is it like a local tour company and i assume you got a group a bunch together make it cost effective yeah so i mean we we want to make it kind of a special experience so the group sizes are maximum 25. So far, we've only actually run three trips. They're relatively new. So we had one trip with 25 children, another trip with 21 children. And then the trip in Cambodia actually only had 14 children because of COVID restrictions on the number of children we could actually have in any one group at that time. So it really depends on the trip, on the organization, and how many how many children, for example, maybe they have in one class um, they want to send on the same trip. Because we also need to think about the number of children that they support. And we want to make sure that everybody has this opportunity to take part in an interesting trip, you know? So we don't want to say that we're going to do a trip for 60 people and then move on to another partner. No, we're really kind of dedicated, committed to the partners that we have to make sure that we can organize these trips for as many of their children that they support as possible. It's obviously a challenge. There's lots of different challenges from, from getting funding from people who aren't even thinking about travel or aren't thinking about Southeast Asia, you know? And that's why I'm hoping that now might be a better time because as America and, and Canada and these places, England are opening up, as they're finally getting over it, maybe now they'd be more willing to to donate money to the region to try and help 
keep tourism afloat here and, and help uh, these kids who like now we're finally like having to deal with this. Right. So we could use mm-hmm. uh, financial support now. So I'm hoping that that's a trend that's going to happen, but uh, would you like to keep this program going? Like even after tourism returns, like, I mean, it seems like a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. hundred um, percent. So this is really something that I'm putting that we're putting in place for the future. Um, because, you know, from my experience working in responsible travel, I often, had conversations with tour operators, especially when I was working with Exo Travel, and they were always looking for ways for their clients to give back, you know, for their customers to give back to the countries that they were visiting. And sometimes it was difficult to find something engaging for them, which didn't involve visiting a school or an orphanage, which are, of course, not tourist attractions. So this, I think, is a nice way to fill that gap, potentially. So in the future, yeah, I really think this can go go on for a long time and our core donors will hopefully be tour operators, like I was saying earlier, that sell Southeast Asia and can add the cost of a one child's trip on to the cost of a holiday for their customers. Amir, I don't think people should donate to any cause to expect something in return. But if somebody makes a reasonable donation, like can they get pictures of the kids out doing their trip or something like that to kind of see how it goes? Yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. So it doesn't matter how much they donate. um, They'll get a report about the trip Hmm. that their money went towards. So what that means is, you know, what is in a report, it's an introduction to the number of children that took part, um, the organization that they're supported by, and then, of course, a few photos of the trip. Um, And all photos we get obviously approved by our NGO partner before making them, uh, before sharing them with, with our donors, because obviously there can be some confidentiality issues with um, young people. So we want to make sure that everything is above board on that front. Um, and then we also share with them some comments from the children about what they thought about the trip. And I think that's what kind of touches people the most is, you know, the actual words of the children about how they enjoyed the trip and what they thought about the trip, what was their favorite part of the trip. And that makes it really personal. And it makes it because I think really that adds a special touch to donation for for the donor. That's pretty neat to think if I donated $250, you send 10 kids on a day trip. And I mean, a lot of people would spend that on their own day trip in country. So you can kind of you know, return the favor. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we also make sure we share with them information about our NGO partners in case they want to go ahead and support those partners directly. You know, we want to give them a platform to, to talk about their work and the social businesses that we visit. We want people to know more about these. And then hopefully when they can travel again, they'll think, ah, yeah, that you know, when I made that donation and the group of children got to go on a trip in Laos, they went to a place called Laos Buffalo Dairy. I want to go to Laos and I want to go to that place, you know? So it's kind of which there's lots of different things at play here that hopefully will create a, a positive wave in the future. Yeah, well, we'll have uh, show notes on our website, talktravelasia.com, that has links to share the wonder. And uh, when you go to the webpage, um, you actually have very nice information here about uh, what the day trips are and about Friends International, who's the organization that helps uh, get the children that you send on these day trips and and does the, one of the experiences as well. So so check out our show notes, everyone, and then you can, uh, you can donate to help some kids share the wonder. So on a... Just a responsible tourism note, 
Amir, kind of wondering when tourism inevitably does come back and people start coming to this part of the world, Southeast Asia, particularly where you're running these projects. I mean, what do you think will be the major responsible travel issues that people should keep in mind when they're planning their trip? Because in a way, we're we're kind of starting again. It, it feels there's an opportunity to set the reset button. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, look, there's been a lot of com- chat about this being a great break for destinations. And I think that really is true, especially for areas of natural beauty. I think, you know, we've seen that nature can recover. Yes, it takes a long time, but nature can recover. So that's a good sign, hopefully, in the future to promote the more responsible management of natural areas. When it comes to travel returning, I think what we what people need to be most wary of is an immediate return to the problems of over-tourism. You know, I think right now a lot of people are saying, yeah, it's easy to say that no one's going to want to travel in crowds again and no one's going to want to go to these crowded places. But to be honest, I think everyone's bucket lists remain, a lot of people's bucket lists remain pretty much the same. You know, everybody wants to go to those very well-known destinations and i fear that very quickly they will become overcrowded again and i don't think that's going to change until the kind the management of those destinations improves on a on a public level on a a government level yeah well uh i mean for now we should try and enjoy our historic destinations while we can yeah how's hoi an hoi an on the weekends is packed it's great you know lots of vietnamese travelers are coming and checking out their cultural heritage and i think it's something that they didn't do so much before there was this you know fear of overcrowding from all the international tourists so now it's you know it's busy but at least people are exploring you know places close to their home but during the weekdays it's absolutely dead but and it's such a beautiful place so i'm not surprised that people want to come here in their droves but i really think we need to manage the spread of tourists a lot better in destinations you know i'm a strong believer in the fact that you know every country in the world for sure is beautiful there's stunning places i'm sure in every country in the world and i really think that you know these bucket lists of places where people want to visit with urgency with is is something that maybe needs to be rethought and we should firstly look at traveling closer to home and secondly you know looking at places maybe a bit off the beaten track where we can have more authentic experiences and where the money we spend is really going to go directly to the local community. Again, hopefully that thinking is being done and being implemented. Because even I'm thinking about like the Angkor temples, which is uh, was under threat of over tourism, yeah, and how yeah. they were already they were going to talk about how you could only visit one of the three main temples per day. They they were already trying to figure out how to solve it, and now like there's new infrastructure going in, so they're kind of preparing for when tourism comes back. So there is an opportunity mm-hmm. to to do it well. What I like what you're doing now is like I think any organizations or businesses that start in these types of conditions and come up out of these conditions I think are more likely to have strong roots and and uh, and succeed once these the, the, the old challenges return you know like you kind of have a leg up which is which is great I hope yeah definitely yeah I hope so too and um, like I said you know this is definitely planned to be a long-term initiative so I hope it will continue when tourism is back and I'm confident it will really admire 
what you do because I know at the end of the day you got to pay your bills too and pay your rent and feed yourself and make money. But yeah. you've taken this opportunity of COVID to not only try and stay employed but to do things for other people. And I've just donated to send a kid on a trip, and I encourage all of our listeners to do the same. The website is really good; it's pretty pro. I can testify that it is easy to donate because I just <laughs> did it right now through PayPal. You can select your own country or project most in need. So thanks so much, Amir, for all the work you do and for sharing that with us. Awesome, Scott. Thank you so much for making a donation as we were speaking. That's um, very impressive multitasking. It only cost me the equivalent of a couple pints of Guinness. So There you go, yeah. So you, you'll be getting some photos and comments um, about the trips very soon. So yeah, no, thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. I mean, right now in these times, every donation, you know, means so much because there's so many really important and worthy causes out there. So I think anybody who's got a buck to give, that buck should be really highly valued for sure. So thank you very much. And uh, hopefully our guests... Uh, We'll, we'll donate too. It's really easy. It's right on the website. And uh, I have some problems with PayPal, but I think I'll figure it out. All right. Take care. Stay healthy, Amir. Thank you, guys. Lovely to speak to you again. Okay. Hey, Scott. It was great to catch up with Amir. Um, I love this idea that he's doing. Uh, you know, I mentioned it, said it sort of briefly there that I saw some kids at the palace once years ago. I was just visiting Cambodia and a bunch of school children were at the royal palace here in Phnom Penh. And they were really like, they thought it was amazing because it's like a palace, but it's like the palace of their king too, you know? And, and it, it must have been the first time they went there, but like, they had like wondrous looks on their faces, you know, because it was a really cool experience for, for them to be there. Um, so I think, uh, you know, your donation, and as soon as I can uh, get on there, my donation can send some kids to do stuff like this. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I've seen lots of school trips and field trips in Thailand, and I'm sure I've seen some in other countries, but I really like the idea that it's actually you know, kind of a tour, kind of a day tour. It's not with school, right? It's mm. it's with another organization. You aren't forced to go there by your teachers. You're out having a bit of fun and actually exploring. And it wasn't until we made the outline for this that I realized there'd be a lot of these kids that have never really been on a tour. Like I'm sure on a holiday or anything else, they go out with their family. They probably take a mat, get some grilled fish, that kind of stuff, sit around, have some food in a neat spot. And they, they have their day out, but like the whole notion of holiday or going touring, that's a pretty foreign thing, especially in developing countries. So it's kind of neat if they had a proper guide and sort of had that experience of tourists that they see so many other foreigners doing, right? Yeah, I think that was part of the fun for those kids at the Royal Palace, just that like, they're doing something like I was doing, and they, they we were sharing the experience, you know, so I like that that idea of sharing isn't just donate and share with them, but like, they actually get to, to have that type of experience too. Yeah, so you're right on. Yeah, and it's neat on the payment, you can choose the country. Myanmar's off the slate at the moment, just because of politically what's going on. But when you go to pay, yeah, you can select one of three countries, Laos, Cambodia, or Vietnam, or just say whichever project it's needed. As you mentioned, and we said earlier, I donated, it was super quick, goes through Excel Foundation, because they've got their payment processes all dialed in. So yeah, I think, you know, when you, when you can't travel, if you've been to one of these countries or you're dreaming of going to one, pay it forward, 25 bucks for one kid, send a kid on vacation and uh, on a little trip and you'll get something back. Like what better way to travel vicariously and do good for where you want to go than that? 
Yeah. Otherwise, uh, we since we've done a bunch of shows on this, we recently had uh, Mary Story from the Rosie May Foundation and talking about pink tuk-tuks recently. So if you go to our show notes on TalkTravelAsia.com, we'll have links to Tourism in Need, Share the Wonder, Rosie May Foundation, Highland Farm, Far Circus, like all these other organizations and episodes. Uh, we'll have links to all of those. Because I, I just recently noticed that we don't have a tag for Responsible Tourism Podcast. So there's no tag for podcasts that takes you just to responsible tourism episodes, but there's actually a pretty good list of them on our show notes now. So I'm going to probably have to update that. Yeah, indeed. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Do become a patron. Go to patreon.com, search Talk Travel Asia from as little as a dollar a month or upwards, as Patrick A. does, has supported us for so long. Thank you for helping us keeping this going from Bangkok, Thailand. Scott Coates saying, keep dreaming of travel. We will run into you one day soon. Trevor, take us out of this thing. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. It was great to have Amir on the show, and it was great to catch up with you, Scott. And uh, right after we're done with this, we're going to do a Patreon patron-only episode. Yeah. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and Cambodia?